Launching an agency is easy, but navigating through client pitches, deliverables, and hiring staff that work in different countries, that takes a lot of dedication and work. We're excited to bring you this exclusive series featuring Reshift Media, a Toronto-based digital agency founded by Steve Boris and Kirk Allen, who took a simple idea and turned it into a global business with a roster of Fortune 1000 companies as their clients. Brands that you know, product and services that you use on a daily basis. Join me, Day 4, The Connected One, on a journey to celebrate Reshift Media, the first 10 years. Along the way, we talk to some of their clients and partners who have worked with the Reshift Media team. Today, we're going to talk with Derek Weidel, who is the Director of Loyalty and Programs for Parkland Corporation. Derek, good afternoon. How the hell are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Where are we finding you today in the world? I am in Peterborough, Ontario. For those who don't know, just near Toronto. Okay. So Parkland Corporation, give us a high level of what the organization is about or what the core offering is for the company. Yeah, it's a collection of uh, gas stations, uh, convenience stores, uh, fuel supply, and, uh, you know, getting into uh, EV as well. Um, I, in particular, work on the loyalty program. That's a journey. Right. And that's across, uh, you know, all the different uh, gas brands of Pioneer, Chevron, Ultramar, and Fast Gas, as well as the on-the-run convenience store brand. So I, I probably buy from you guys all those times that I drive out on 401 over to, to Montreal. <laughs> probably, absolutely. All right. So let's 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 go back for a second and tell us about the first time that you met the Reshift Media team. Yeah, so that was back when I used to work at uh, M&M Food Market, uh, more in the e-commerce and digital marketing space at the time, and uh, met them at uh, you know retail conference. Can't remember which one offhand right now, but you know was struck by uh, Steve, who was up on stage doing a presentation. Um, you know, really talking about location and personalization through digital marketing. And um, you know, what was really clear right away is uh, these guys know what they're talking about. They they you know understand uh, retail from a location-based uh, perspective. How data can really influence the way that you're able to talk to customers through all the different enablers through digital marketing. So, Derek, back when you were working with them at M&M Food Market, what was was there a specific business problem that you had hired them to help you solve, or you know any projects initiative? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, initially after meeting Steve at the retail conference, you know. We had them in first to just get a sense of the types of areas that uh, you know they can help retailers with, and you know what was clear was you know the intersection on um, how to reach customers through th- social media with kind of more of a localized approach, and so we started there. And the other thing about M M&M and M is we have a really rich loyalty program that has uh, a lot of customer data, and so we were able to leverage that customer data along with uh, Reshift's ability to connect in with social media and create truly localized experiences by targeting our customers and lookalike customers through that. And um, you know, it really leveled up our approach to how we went to market with digital marketing and tr- truly driving uh, foot traffic into the stores that we could actually measure because we could connect all the data back to the in-store transactions. So it was really powerful to be able to see what we were spending uh, the number of customers we were reaching, and the actual business result in the end and the ROI in a way that was very difficult through other digital marketing channels. Why is localization so important? I mean, aren't all customers the same? The person that's shopping in Peterborough versus the person that's shopping in Toronto? There's a few different parts of that. I think one thing, you know, being 
locally relevant or being specific about the locations um, that you are as retailers uh, helps customers connect better to that individual store. If you think about M&M Food Market, uh, most of the stores are franchise-based and, and those franchise uh, partners play a big can play a big role in their communities. And so I, I think strengthening that connection between the customer and that specific location uh, makes the advertising that much more effective. The other piece of it is, uh, you know, outside of the customer relevance is, is actually on, um, you know, making sure we're targeting the right customers as a result too, right? So there's a few different pieces around what we did with the advertising, including, you know, making the ads actually come from the individual businesses, but also targeting the customers with a specific radius around each of the stores and like our specific customers directly and finding customers that are like them around those stores. So, you know, an, uh, a set of customers that, you know, maybe in a Toronto market might be very different than, you know, a Sarnia market in Ontario as well. And so the the customers you're targeting and the lookalike uh, audiences that you're building from that might be different as well too. So those are some of the pieces that make localization really, really important. So here's my challenge for you now. I want you to take out your crystal ball for a moment. And what would you say are going to be some of the biggest trends that the industry is going to face moving to 2023 next year? Well, I mean, there's continued crackdown on privacy and, and marketers' ability to target customers through different marketing channels. And so I think marketers are going to continue to figure out how to, you know, best answer that challenge and, and, um, and adjust accordingly. Uh, you know, the backbone of all that is always data, right? So, you know, how do you how do you collect data appropriately as a as a marketer? Um, a lot of that's driven by loyalty programs. You're seeing more and more uh, businesses bring in loyalty programs of different shapes and sizes, and a lot of that's about collecting customer data. And you have to provide the right kind of exchange of value with customers to have permission to really you know uh, collect that data as a result, and then use it effectively in ways that you know are above board, um, actually create value for customers. And, uh, and as a result, become better marketers and, and make sh- making sure you're providing the most relevant um, right message, right customer, right time. You know, we're all striving to, to get to. Right. So, you know, I think it's it all comes back to data, right? What what are you allowed to collect? What are you you know creating the right value to collect as well um, with with that trade off and being transparent with customers? And then how do you utilize that data to more effectively provide you know digital marketing that speaks to customers in a timely fashion. It sounds like loyalty programs can be a bit more complex and just set up a website and putting a few banners here and there. Um, as of, you know, back in your role in M&M, how did you know what data you were allowed to collect versus not collect? I think it's leveraging partners like Reshift is, is certainly a good source. Um, you know, I think beyond like what you can and can't collect, it's what is possible too, right? And I think, you know, best partners are, you know, always dabbling in the art of what's possible and um, and stretching your knowledge of where uh, you can go and what you can do and, and making sure you're staying within the guardrails of what's what's the right thing to do as well as, you know, what's legally you can do as well. Um, right. And, uh, you know, it's not just about collecting, but then what do you do with that data and, and what's the most effective way to use that? Uh, and, you know, Reshift was great, great partners to continue to expand, you know, how we thought about connecting with our customers, how to leverage our loyalty data um, and how to, you know, build a customer contact strategy out, you know, not just through, 
email and direct communications with through, through advertising as well. Okay. I think it's fair to say that COVID probably had the biggest impact on any business over the last decade. What impact did COVID have on M&M? Uh, you know, it, it changed, it fundamentally changed the way consumers shopped with us. And, you know, I think a lot of businesses uh, certainly felt e-commerce become a bigger part of their business. But, um, you know, for instance, at M&M, it was, you're looking at 10, 12 times for a period of time right off the bat um, uh, of what we were experiencing from an e-commerce perspective, literally overnight. Uh, you know, you're, you're, um, the other thing was a lot of advertisers went dark suddenly uh, because either, you know, their businesses went dark or, and they had, had no money to, to be advertising, or they weren't sure if it was appropriate to be advertising during that time period. And, you know, what we found was M&M was, you know, a solution to a lot of people's problems in a way that, you know, was more relevant than ever. Yeah. Uh, you know, people, if you remember back like March, 2020, yeah. You know, freezer freezer shelves were empty, and awesome. uh, you know there's like rating of food, and suddenly um, M&M was more popular than ever, and uh, um, so we, you know, Reshift was a good partner in helping us understand what was the right way to go to market, and um, uh, in a way that was respectful of the you know situation that was going on, but you know also made sense because we were legitimately uh, helping Canadians at the time in a way that. Um, was more necessary than ever and, and making sure they found ways to, you know, feed their families. Right. And uh, sure. so it, it made sense that, it, that, that was a right way to go to market at the time. And so we, you know, I think there was a lot of yo-yoing at the time from, uh, you know, what strategies you were trying to, to do. And uh, you went from like trying to go dark cause we didn't want to, you know, be um, fear mongering to, no, no, we're actually a really relevant solution now. And then having up marketing for a period of time too. So it was kind of, I think for everyone, it was a very interesting time period, and we had a, a bit of a different approach there ourselves. Okay. And then loyalty, obviously, was a big part of your portfolio. So did you? how did your loyalty program change, you know, pre, during, and now, and then post-COVID? Yeah. Uh, you know, along with that change, we had a lot of new customers come in. So it was a pretty significant um, acquisition period for, for uh, the business. And you know, I think put a lot of pressure on us to make sure we were onboarding people appropriately, keeping them engaged. And there was a number of things we did for, you know, how do we ensure we're serving up the the right offers for our customers? Because they're, you know, all personalized offers and, and ensuring that we're um, giving them a reason to continue shopping with us and continuing to engage in the loyalty program. And, uh, you know, I, I think a you know, big focus was how do we hold on to a lot of that and, you know, continue to prove ourselves to those customers that this was a good choice to join and, and continue to engage with the brand. And that's an ongoing thing that's being focused on. So there's a lot of loyalty programs out there in the world. And again, some are really amazing. Some of them just should not even have started in the first place. From your perspective, what would you say are, you know, common things that the top 10 best loyalty programs offer? I mean, I think, you know, from a starting point is offering the right value to the customer uh, in exchange for data, because that's really the the transaction you're making. So it's understanding what's valuable to the, what what do you have that's valuable to the customer and, and making sure you're providing that. You're seeing um, a lot more micro conversion type of approaches instead of, you know, saving for, you know, months or years to get to a place uh, where you get, you know, a big TV or something like that. There's a lot more kind of smaller types of uh 
wins to kind of get that dopamine hit, you know, with, with yeah. consumers so they can redeem something more frequently or more quickly. And so that's, that's kind of an ongoing trend. You're starting to see a lot more kind of coalitions or partnerships uh, between different brands and, hmm. um, and, you know, offering, you know, offering um, rewards that are uh, usable or earnable at different places as well. And so, uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of them try to find different industries to stitch together to have that whole customer retail experience. Um, so, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's all, I come back to data. It's about, you know, how do you better collect? How do you better consolidate it? How do you make it actionable in real time so that you're better able to communicate to the customer um, when it's appropriate to the customer, it, you know, with the right message to the customer and, um, you know, when, when, when the customer wants that message and, and making sure it's relevant, right? So it's, it's an exchange of data for the value upfront, but it's also an exchange of data for using it in a way that's appropriate for the customer and them, you know, appreciating the way you're interacting with them as a result too. What are you, how are you, are you, uh, you know, draining their time? Are you over bombarding them with emails or are you providing true value when that customer needs that value at that moment? Right. Uh, that's you know everyone's trying to get there it's very difficult it's capital intensive it's uh there's a lot of work that you have to do to um you know there's a lot of work foundational work you have to do to get to a place where you're actually starting to execute on that and so organizations need a lot of patience to get there too so it's actually kind of interesting one thing that uh, i don't know if a lot of our listeners realize but parkland actually bought m&m food market back at the start of 2022 yeah, that's right. Um, you know, it's a it's an interesting acquisition that happened, and um, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity between the loyalty programs and um, uh, you know part of the food strategy moving forward for Parkland too. So it's uh, uh, it's been an interesting integration. Speaking of integration, cashierless stores, are we there yet? I think the technology is pretty close and, and good, but I think it's whether consumers are going to want to adopt it in the various different retail touch points or not. I think a lot of the friction from a retail experience has been taken away from by, by e-commerce. And, you know, so those low uh, effort and even higher effort types of buys, but you know, that you don't feel the need to interact with other people. I think that's happening online. Right. Uh, you know, there's still a place for high touch, interactions with salespeople in a retail physical store environment. And actually m and is a great example of that, uh, you know, where that meal advisor in the store helps you solve that daily meal problem that you're trying to solve that everyone has to solve multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, I think where it might fit better is on, um, you know, locations or, or types of retailers where, you, know, you don't need a lot of input or you know what you're getting and, and you want to just get in and get out. Right. And, you know, there might be a lot of retailers where there's a mix of those types of customers too, where, you know, some of them know what they want and that's easy enough to get out. But a lot of them want, you know, higher touch experiences and you're seeing, you know, online retailers open up physical stores to like create that customer uh, interaction point. So I don't think it's going to replace it. I think it'll augment and, and continue to create different ways for people to shop. So the future is here very quick. It's moving very quickly. It sounds like <laughs> the future is always moving quickly. It's a matter of, you know, who's pushing it and who's wanting to take advantage of it. And, and, you know, who wants to actually shop in those different methods? Sure. Speaking of future reshift media, 10 years old, did you 
What was your first thought when you had heard that the agency had turned 10? A mix of both surprised and not surprised that, uh, you know, I think they have a, a young attitude for how they, you know, work. It's, it's a lively environment. Um, you know, they're fast paced. Uh, they're always forward thinking. Um, and so it, it doesn't seem like it's possible that it's, it's already 10 years. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's, there's, I mean, I've worked with them for, I want to say five years and, uh, and, you know, they certainly seemed well established before then too. So in some ways it's surprising. It's only 10 years. So it's kind of like both positive, but mixed feelings around if it's 10 years or not. Right. So, um, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what they continue to push forward on and and how they push retailers uh, to kind of think differently, use data and, um, you know, think about different ways to interact with customers. I think they're well positioned to continue to do that for at least another 10 years. There you go. I love it. There he is, Derek Weidel, the Director of Loyalty Programs at Parkland Corporation. Derek, appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. 